morning. We are so excited that you guys are here with us this morning and have the chance to worship. Um, as you can tell, I'm not Pastor Jeremy, and I'm not Pastor Chuck, and I cannot guarantee that you guys will be getting out here, here early like Pastor Chuck, but who I am is I am Nathan Street Matter, senior at Midland High, and I have the privilege this morning to preach the Word of God. Before I get into Scripture, I want to start with a little story so you guys can sit back and relax and enjoy this incredible narrative. In 2010, in the city of Castle Rock, Colorado, a man named Chad Arnold, who is a healthy 38-year-old with a wife and two kids, situation radically began to change. Chad had a liver condition that he had been living, relatively symptom-free since his early 20s, but in 2010, it, it suddenly became more and more aggressive. He went from swimming laps during his lunch break to needing a liver transplant in order to survive. With not enough cadavers available, his best option was a living donor. And with many family members across the country, people came flooding in to get tested to see if they were compatible. But Chad needed help fast. One of those people who would answer that call was his brother, Ryan Arnold, who is also described to be Chad's lifelong best friend. Eager to help out and knowing that a transplant was needed in order for Chad to continue living, Ryan was adamant about helping. Um, After many family members were tested and Ryan's came back positive, Chad had a decision to make. He had to choose who was going to be his donor for his liver. Ryan, not wanting to wait, wanted to go and transplant his liver to help his brother out, sick of seeing him in pain, tried persuading Chad to allow him to be, allow him for the sacrifice. Chad, who was very concerned about the possible mishaps and failures, warned his brother of this. He warned his brother that it might not go according to plan and it might not work out for either of them. But Ryan simply told Chad that he would do it for me, so I have to do it for him. Ryan loved his brother and was prepared to make any sacrifice. As we fast forward a few months later, Ryan, who's 34, donated 60% of his liver to Chad in a fairly routine surgery. Everything seemed to be going as planned, and Chad's state quickly got better. But in the, up, in the next few days, as things only got better for Chad, it was clear that Ryan did not have the same fate. Days after surgery, Ryan soon passed away and ended up giving his brother the greatest gift he could, his life. This was extremely hard for both the family and for Chad, but Chad has cherished that gift and has been able to enjoy every moment of his life as he has lived on. We can all agree that this story is both touching and amazing, and as I stand here today, I cannot honestly say that I would do the same. And I think many of us could agree with that. We've all heard stories of sacrifice like this before, and it's no surprise that a common plot archetype is a story of sacrifice as they grip our emotions and they show us an event that we feel like we could not be in the same place and we could not perform that sacrifice. We've seen this both in real life and in fictional stories, whether it's Boromir and Lord of the Rings taking arrows in the chest to save Merry and Pippin, or whether it is Obi-Wan Kenobi fighting off Darth Vader, so Han um, and Luke can escape and keep the rebellion hope alive. These stories have a large impact on us and pull, us, pull on our emotions. 
The cool, things are, the cool thing is, is that these, reflect, or these stories are a reflection of what we admire in real life and don't just happen in fantasy. To tell you a little secret, the Bible outlines a story that is both cooler and more incredible than any of the stories that I have brought forth. The, the story outlines the ultimate sacrifice for all of humanity, the mere magnitude of which can easily be forgotten and taken for granted. But the single event proves so much. It proves, first off, how much God loves us, and it also proves how a terrible event where all hope seems lost can quickly switch to an incredible act of good. When looking back at the story of Ryan Arnold, we, we don't personally know Chad and we don't personally know Ryan, but we know that the two brothers deeply cared for each other and had a great relationship. In most stories of sacrifices, we certainly don't think of someone of, of the person sacrificing as someone who has been wronged by the other person or someone who has a shaky relationship. But as we look at the story of life and the story of Jesus, we see that the latter is true. We see that we have wronged God and we have wronged our creator. And this is pretty intuitive. As we look at the world, we realize that we are broken people who make plenty of mistakes and wrong plenty of people, especially the creator. Um, if we just look at the news or talk to a family members, we can easily see mistakes as we criticize what's going on in society or as we criticize another person for having a minor flaw that annoys us. And this is a really important point as it shows that we need a savior and that we need someone to fulfill these mistakes. I say this all with purpose, and that purpose is shown in Romans 3.23 when Paul writes, for we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is an important fact as we look at the, and understand Jesus' sacrifice. As we do not deserve what he had given to us. In the story of Jesus, God sent his son specifically to deal with the pain and act as a sacrifice for us all. God went after us. Jesus died for all of us. And if we take a second and even attempt to put ourselves in either the Father or the Son's position, it is completely unfathomable, the sacrifice they gave. Connecting back to Ryan and other historic, uh, heroic stories like it, they all tend to focus on people close to them. They all have died for people that they knew or died for people that we think as relatively good, like they deserve the sacrifice. But... In the reality, Jesus didn't just die for his family. He didn't just die for his friends. He died for all of us. And no one is too far away from grace. He died for murderers, liars, cheaters, and thieves. He died for us. And this ultimate sacrifice is more than a simple act of heroism, but it is an act of incredible love. He showed love while knowing that some of us would never acknowledge the gift. He showed love while knowing that we would continue to wrong him, continue to not follow his will. But despite all of that, he still went to the cross. He still died the painful, gruesome death that we all deserve in the end. This seems to be a reckless love, to stick out your arm to those who have wronged you and giving them your life, which is the most important thing to our physical self, in order to give them an even greater gift. In Romans 5, 6 through 8, which will appear on the screen. Paul writes, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps a good person, one would even dare to die. But God shows his love 
for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How many of us could fathom replicating what Christ did? The answer is probably none of us. That's why this act is so extraordinary and is an act of incredible love. Okay, so that's great. We have this incredible gift that we get to reap the benefit of in the future. But what about right now? What about tomorrow? What about the next day? In John 13, 15, Jesus says, For I have given an example that you also should do just as I have done. Now that seems like a near impossible challenge, but it leads us to think about how we could attempt to replicate a crazy love like this. I think as we really dissect the gospel and the sacrifice of Jesus, we find out about how we should love. I see three major aspects of his act, um, three major aspects of love in his act of his sacrifice. Um, These are self-sacrifice, forgiveness, and loving indiscriminately. These three components tend to have a lot of overlap as they require each other, but each one is fundamentally shown through his love and is all commanded in Scripture. Self-sacrifice is probably the easiest one that's shown, but probably the hardest one to perform. As we live in a day in a culture where our own success and progress are preached to be the most important things in our lives and are the centerpiece of each of our lives, this seems backwards. But in both Ephesians 5, 1, 2, and 1 John 3, 16, we see that as Christians, this should not be the case. Ephesians 5 opens up by saying, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And 1 John 3.16 echoes that by saying, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. And going on to verse 17, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. God has a different agenda for our lives. If we are called to be imitators of God and to live as Christ's examples, our lives should not revolve around ourselves, but they should revolve around love for God and for others. Quoting Francis Chan, at the end of the day, we need to change our idea of success and what it means to be successful. Success is for one day someone to say, being with you felt like walking with Jesus. This idea of sacrificial love, of giving up our gifts, or as verse 17 says, our goods, is ways that we can become like Jesus. This is something that we can all do for someone. We all have needs, and we all have gifts, and we all know people who have needs. And just like Jesus, we need to reject our own agenda, our own glory, and love others, both by sacrificing our blessings and our gifts. Not for us, not, because, not to make us happy, but to point to God and to point to God's love. The beauty of God's sacrifice is that it allows us to perform sacrificial love without sacrificing anything that truly matters. The truth is, Everything that we have in this world, both our time, our money, our talents, they don't really matter. They're all going to go away in the future. But the only thing that won't go away is the thing that God gave to us in our sacrifice, and that is eternal life with him. That's already in the bank. So anything that we sacrifice now is temporary and in the end unnecessary. Although this doesn't make the sacrifice super easy, it makes it possible. It makes us be able to love because of his love. God loves us 
so we can love others. If that challenge wasn't difficult enough, the other components are just as hard. Forgiveness and loving indiscriminately. Jesus says in Luke 6, 30-36, and I'll start at verse 27, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do you so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. If we remember back to God's sacrifice, Jesus gave the gift and the opportunity to the same people who placed him on the cross, the same people who wronged him. No one is too far from his forgiveness. So if God is our example and we listen to God's words, we must love everybody, especially those who hate us. 1 John 4, 19, 21 says, We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has, not, has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. God doesn't just challenge us to live like Ryan and love our friends and love the people who care for us or are close to us, but God calls us to something greater to love all, not just those who love us, but those who wrong us, to those who hate us, to those who persecute us, to those who take things from us. This isn't popular, popular with us. We want to seek revenge, we want justice, and we don't want to turn the other cheek. But God calls us to go above the expectations of society and go above the expectations of other people, because that is what Jesus did. No one could complain if Jesus turned his back on us and let us deal with the sin and punishment that we deserve. We have the opportunity each day of our lives to live like Jesus and to forgive others and love them despite who they are, despite if they annoy us, despite if they anger us, despite of all of that. Because the truth is, if we are truly broken people, we are going to make mistakes and we're going to run into plenty of people who make mistakes. But God calls us to love and go beyond expectations and do more than just the standard, do more than just get revenge or expect anything, but to really love and sacrifice. First John 4.8 says, Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. It is clear throughout the Bible and through the Gospels that God wants us to love, and he wants us to love out of it. He wants us to place love as a very high priority in our lives. Like anyone else, I feel just as convicted as the next man by this command. It is so easy to say that we love. It's so easy to love the people close to us. It's so easy to love when everything's going well. And it is definitely really easy to love when they love you back. But the truth is, that isn't always going to be the case. 
And how many times have I followed my own agenda, followed my own heart, and refused to love others because either I'm hurt by them or I'm just trying to follow my own agenda and focus on myself? The answer is countless. Love is much easier said than done. And that is why it's key to remember us Remember 1 John 3.18 when it says, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. As we leave here this Sunday, remember the sacrifice of God and respond not with your own agenda and not to glorify yourself by loving others, but to point to the glory of God, to show a glimpse of his sacrifice through our daily sacrifices, and to show his sacrifice through our ability to give to others. I challenge as you go on to the next week and the next week to pray and to wait for God to stir you about specific opportunities where you can show this love, to show sacrificial love, to show forgiveness, and to love everyone. Let us remember to reject our own agenda and to use the blessings the Lord has given us to love others and to point that to God. To remember that God loves our broken selves and so therefore we must love all. Let's go above and beyond society's standards in living what seems to be a reckless love, but is truly perfectly timed and executed to give the glory to the Father, the perfect creator, and our Savior. Let us pray. Dear God, thank you so much for the great sacrifice that you have shown to us, the forgiveness that you have shown to us, and the grace that you have shown to us. Help us as we go on to the next week and the week after, and the week after that, that you would help us love others sacrificially and love others despite everything, despite whether they have wronged us, despite whether they have hurt us. Please help us to show forgiveness to all and to really put you at a priority and not ourselves and not our own agenda. Amen.